City. Welcome to Hot 97's Street Soldiers, the hottest talk on radio. Hosted by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the NYPD's new marijuana arrest policy. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Follow me on Twitter at Lisa Evers, Instagram, Lisa Evers Live, Google Plus, Lisa Evers. And also you can get podcasts or show audio from this episode and previous episodes on my website, lisaevers.com. Our phone lines are open at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. If you have questions about the new marijuana arrest policy, we have got the people here who can answer them um, for you and give you the answers that you need because this policy is going into effect this week. We're also streaming this show live across the United States. So it's a good time to text your family and friends out of state right now. Tell them to log on to hot97.com, tap the listen live broadcast, and they can check it out. They can even call in from other cities as well at 1-800-223-9797, 1-800-223-9797. And if you have a question or comment about this, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, TJ's posting some pics right now from uh, inside the studio. And uh, at Lisa Evers Live, check that out. Now, starting this Wednesday, November 19th, the NYPD is going to begin a new policy that will give police officers more leeway when they encounter a person with 25 grams or less of marijuana. Instead of automatically arresting the person, the officer will have the option of issuing a summons that some are saying is like a parking ticket. We're going to find out if that's true. This does not mean that marijuana is legal, despite what some people have been saying on social media and on the streets this week. It means that the police officer can write you a summons which carries a fine instead of hitting you with a criminal charge that'll get you through the system, put you through the system, and could give you a record. But you will get arrested, you still will get arrested if you are smoking in public. What do you think about this new policy? 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. We're gonna talk about this with all of our guests and. Uh, get to the bottom of it and find out what it, what it means for you. Joining us in studio, he's been with us by phone, but we're very happy to have him in studio, is the Brooklyn District Attorney, Kenneth Thompson. He was on the leading edge of this issue back in July when he said he would not prosecute low-level marijuana offenses. Ken, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate Lisa, it. Lisa, thank you for having me. Also with us is Cassandra Frederic. She's a dr with the Drug Policy Alliance. She's a policy manager. And Cassandra, thanks for being with us. Thanks we appreciate it. Me, and also joining us is Scott Levy. He is an attorney with the Bronx Defenders with the Marijuana Arrest Project. Scott, thank you so much for being with us. Really happy to be here. Thanks. Okay. And we are going to break, break down this policy for you in just a moment, um, starting with Ken Thompson. But first, we're going to take a quick phone call with Ed Mullins. He is the president of the Sergeants Benevolent Association. And Ed, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Ed, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. Okay, good morning. Now, why do you think that the mayor is taking a position that this is soft on crime and that this is actually going to hurt the city? Well, first of all, I understand the concept behind it. I understand that, um, you know, there's a feeling of um, expediting the judicial system and the impact that it has, you know, going forward uh, on someone's record for a marijuana arrest. And that's what it's really described as, as a marijuana arrest. Um, but the position that the mayor has taken is, in some ways, not really different than what's already been in place, other than the mandate that um, under 25 grams 
is pretty much a summons. Now, that's always been in place. The difference came down to is that in some precincts, it may be a condition. Uh, you may have a park, uh, uh, let's just say like Madison Square Park or Thompson Square Park, where marijuana may be prevalent within the park and people are in public view of it, but there are going to be times where something may happen. You may have an individual who is uh, caught drinking a beer and then it goes into the whole uh, stop, question, and frisk issue and marijuana becomes uh, on their possession. And although not necessarily in public view, it maintained itself as a precinct condition. Uh, drug dealers themselves will carry smaller amounts and just take the summons in order to keep in um, you know the business practice of it. So when you you talk about the individual that it, in, it may impact their life into the future, um, I believe those numbers are smaller in comparison to the wide scale drug problem that actually exists. And the position that the mayor is sending. You know, the message that he's sending to the criminal element is basically a hands-off type of policy, which thereby makes it a lot more difficult for the police when dealing with, um, um, you know, drug dealers. And um, there's no control over it. And, and unlike alcohol, and we could talk about the abuse of alcohol, there is no control over uh, marijuana, and it maintains its status as being illegal. All right. Well, thank you very much for being with us. We appreciate it. That's Ed Mullins. He is the president of the Sergeants Benevolent Association. That is the union that represents all the sergeants in the NYPD, saying there's a lot of questions about this. Ken Thompson, you are a lawyer. You're an attorney. You're the top law enforcement officer in Brooklyn. You've studied this issue very, very carefully. And what do you think about it? Where are we right now with this? Well, Lisa, in order to understand where we are today, we have to put it into context. Tens of thousands of people are arrested every year in New York City for possessing small amounts of marijuana. A few years ago, 50,000 people were arrested right here in the city for, for possessing small amounts of marijuana for personal use. Last year, 28,000 people. This year, so far, we have about 25,000 people arrested. And according to one report, 86% of those arrested for possessing small amounts of marijuana are black and Latino. So almost 90% of the people who have been arrested so far this year are people of color. And most of these cases, when they get before judges, are dismissed. And so I've taken a different approach as the Brooklyn District Attorney. Since this past summer, we've implemented a new policy and a new policy is basic. If someone never, if someone doesn't have a criminal record or they have a minimal criminal record and they're found in possession of small amounts of marijuana, we will likely decline to prosecute them, meaning we will tell the police to let them go at the precinct or if they're in central booking, to let them go. Because we believe that we need to use our limited law enforcement resources more wisely. We have an issue uh, with, with, with respect to gun violence in Brooklyn. So we need to take these resources that we are wasting on many of these cases that are going to be dismissed anyway and direct them towards gun violence, domestic violence, and sexual assaults. And so my policy has been in effect for a number of months, and so far we've declined to prosecute about 900 people. And so it is a smart approach to law enforcement. It is a, also, we can't ignore the racial disparities here. 
And we're going to talk about that right now with uh, Cassandra in just a moment. But I, but Ken, I want to ask you, Brooklyn District Attorney Kenneth Thompson, what about what Ed Mullins had just said that this is a- actually going to give uh, drug dealers, people who are dealing in it, still illegal, give them a way to kind of get around the law and, and maybe create more problems on the street in terms of you know, more transactions and things like that. Because the police commissioner and the mayor, I was at that press conference on Monday at police headquarters. They said that 311 and 911 calls about people complaining about people smoking and people dealing in, in, in open view and, you know, in front of kids or whatever have skyrocketed in the past year. So what about what Ed was saying, his concerns that this could foster a, a, a crime wave, essentially? Well, well, first of all, Lisa, my policy in Brooklyn uh, it's, it's clear if you're smoking marijuana in public places, especially around children, uh, the, the policy does not apply to you. You will be arrested and prosecuted. And the mayor's new policy says the same thing. What uh, I disagree with this argument that the sky is going to fall. The world did not come to an end in Brooklyn uh, once I imp- implemented my policy back in July. What we have to do is I'm concerned about the men who are walking around the streets of Brooklyn and other parts of New York City seeking to rape women, the young men who are walking around with guns and shooting and killing people. And so we can't continue to pour all of these resources, money and time to these marijuana cases that are being dismissed in droves by judges. And so I understand uh, the, the law enforcement concern, but I am the top law enforcement officer in Brooklyn. And I and I think at the end of the day, we have uh, the right approach in Brooklyn, and this new policy by the mayor is a step in the right direction. All right, Cassandra Frederick, the racial disparity with marijuana use, this is uh, across the country, but you looked at it specifically in New York City. Who's smoking and who's getting arrested? What did you find out? So thanks so much for having us, Lisa. One of the things that's really important to put into context is that government data consistently shows that um, all races are using drugs at very similar rates. Um, But when we look at who's getting arrested for marijuana possession in New York City, you'll find that it's mostly young men of color. And when then you look at the reports that talk about the usage rate, you'll actually find that amongst all races, young men, white young men smoke at higher rates than um, young men of color. But those are not the people that are getting arrested. Like the district attorney said, 86% of the arrests are black and Latino. And this even, you know, people say, well, it depends on the neighborhood. Most of these things are happening in, um, you know, black and Latino neighborhoods. But we also find in our recent report with the Marijuana Arrest Research Project that even in white neighborhoods, the people that are most likely to get arrested are still black and Latino. Um, and so that is just really hits on the point where we're talking about that it is all about selective enforcement. And what makes what is the selective criteria is if you're black or Latino. And to the point, I wanted to actually go back to the point that um, Mr. Ed Mullins made. He talked about, you know, drug dealers getting away with this new policy. What's really important to realize is that most of the people that are getting arrested, this is their first time being caught up. Um, and it really is for system. personal use. It's exactly. not That's not just an excuse. Scott Levy, you're an attorney with the Bronx Direct uh, Defenders. You've defended many people who've been uh, you know, arrested for marijuana possession. And what do you think the uh, this new policy, what effect is it going to have on people's lives? Well, I, I think, um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And, uh, you know, it's it's rare that a public defender finds himself in agreement with the district attorney. 
uh, of Brooklyn, but I, I do have to say that the, the racial disparity issue is is the most pressing issue here. And in the Bronx, where we work, uh, it's 95% black and Latino. It's, 95%. It, it's virtually everyone who's being arrested and prosecuted for marijuana possession is black and Latino. So for us, that's the overriding concern, and it's the thing that we're always most concerned about. Um, but the other thing that I think we're concerned about is there's this sense coming from the administration, from the NYPD, that these summonses are costless, that there is really no cost associated with it, that it's nothing more than a minor inconvenience. Well, they were the terminology was used at the press conference. This is like a parking ticket. Right. You're getting a summons, you pay it, and it goes away. Right, and I think that's a really dangerous notion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why? I think that's a really, uh, something we need to be concerned about. Well... If you are a U.S. citizen and you have the kind of job that allows you the flexibility to take off an entire day of work to answer a summons, it is Which is not most people. Right, which is not the people who are going to be affected by this policy. The people who are affected by these, policy, these policies, a, a huge number of them are not U.S. citizens, and a huge number of them, if they are employed, they're employed in places where they are the most vulnerable people in their jobs. Um, and so really, uh, this is one point that... So to plead not guilty to the summons... To, Ken, how does that would that work? To, to plead not guilty to the summons, then you would have to show up in court, like like with a parking ticket. Well, Lisa, I mean the the analogy that it's like a parking ticket, I, I don't necessarily agree with because what really happens and what's going to happen is for the people who live in Brooklyn and they're given these marijuana tickets starting on Wednesday, this Wednesday coming up under this new policy, they're now going to have to go to what we call a summons court here in Manhattan at 346 Broadway. Now, I, as the Brooklyn DA, have jurisdiction over these cases now, but as of Wednesday, I will not. So what that means is if you don't show up, you will likely have a bench warrant issued for your arrest. So and this is Scott's people, point about the... People don't know that. The, no. I mean, at the end of the day, it, it's... And I went to, to 346 Broadway, so You've I'm seen not, the lines there at 9 o'clock in the morning. Not only that, Lisa, I sat in the courtroom and saw uh, what is supposed to be justice playing out but yet if someone does not show up for uh who's given one of these tickets the judge will likely issue a bench warrant and why that is dangerous is there may be a myriad of reasons why someone doesn't show up someone may have a sick child and can't come to court that day they may be sick themselves or like scott said they may not be able to take off from work or they may have to take an important exam at school, or they may be stuck on the subway. So to issue a bench warrant means they're calling for that person's arrest. And when that person comes in contact with law enforcement, law enforcement must put that person in handcuffs and bring them to central booking and put them before a judge. That's something that I don't think people realize. So I don't think they do that with respect to a parking ticket. No, not at all. So people need to understand if they do get one of these summonses for marijuana possession, you have to show up in court. What about if you plead guilty? Can you plead guilty by mail and pay a fine like you do with a parking ticket, do you think? Or we don't know yet. You can't do that. You can't do that. You have to physically show up. You have to physically show up. I think that the plan is to see if people can pay by ticket. But as of Wednesday, you must show up to the various summons court. Now, for Brooklyn and Manhattan, it's 346 Broadway. The Bronx has its own. Queens has its own. So if you don't show up, 
you're likely going to have a, a bench warrant issue for your arrest. Scott, what about that? The uh, you, you're talking about how difficult it is for people to show up. It is. I mean, it, I, I did a, I did my homework last night, and last year in 2013, there were 450,000 summonses issued in New York City. Um, I, I did I I did the calculation in the Bronx. What that means is there were 80,000 summonses uh, scheduled for arraignment. It makes it an average of over 300 summonses per day, and of course they're not evenly distributed. So on any given day in the Bronx summons part, there may be as many as 700 cases on the calendar. Wow. So you can imagine what a process it is, what a nightmare it is to answer one of these summonses. This summer, we actually interviewed clients who were arrested for low-level marijuana possession, and we talked to them about what the financial and economic impact of these cases were. And what we found was the fines, while not insignificant, are really not the problem. The problem is that our, our clients are having to take off a day of work, have lost wages, and most of our clients, if they miss a day of work, that job's not waiting for them when they go back. Right, so it's it's really a question of of how many people are going to be dragged into this system that is, it really in the summons part broken, um, you know, and and when you're processing that many cases a day in a summons part, due process is virtually non-existent, um, and, you know, and it, at some point. It, it becomes so burdensome, and when you concentrate these consequences in neighborhoods, you know this becomes a real economic drag on not just individuals but entire communities. All right, so let's one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. That's one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. So just to say it again, people need to know if they get one of these summonses, you must show up in court, or as uh, Brooklyn DA Ken Thompson said, there a bench warrant will be issued for your arrest, and then you will go through the system. So it kind of defeats the whole the whole purpose of this. Uh, let's get to some phone calls because we have a lot, a lot of people that want to get in on this. And if you're a police officer and you have feelings about this, let us know. Identify yourself that way to Rafaela. She's on the phones right now at 1-800-223-9797. I want to point out we did reach out to the NYPD throughout the week to try to have a representative officially on the show. And uh, we're told that someone would repeatedly someone would get back to us and nobody did. So anyway, here, let's go to uh, Kevin from Brooklyn right now. Kevin, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, yes. How are you doing? All right. How are you? Good morning. Uh, yeah, my question was uh, based on uh, the oath that an officer can take. And his oath is what he's bound to. Like, how does that affect the oath of an officer? All right, let me, let me what, throw that to you. One more question. What is exactly the oath of an officer? All right, let me uh, let me just ask uh, Ken Thompson, since he's the top law enforcement officer in Brooklyn, does this change how officers look at their uh, their oath that they take well, to serve have, and protect? You have to ask the officers themselves. All I can say is, you know, I have an oath as the Brooklyn DA, and my oath is to keep people safe, but also uh, have a duty to do justice. And my marijuana policy goes to the heart of it because we have more serious crimes being committed in Brooklyn that we need to deal with. And I think if, if people were asked and they were candid, do they want us to go after rapists and, and, and the people who are shooting up our neighborhoods or go after somebody who's possessing small amounts of marijuana for their personal use? I think the answer would be go after more serious crimes, and that's what my policy does. We have to use our discretion. The Brooklyn District Attorney's Office is a lo the third largest DA's office in the country behind Los Angeles and the city of Chicago. I have almost 1,200 employees, over 500 prosecutors. We do 100,000 cases a year. We simply cannot prosecute 100,000 cases. We have to use our discretion. And so I'm using my discretion on behalf of the people of Brooklyn in a wise way to make sure 
that we don't continue to devote all of these resources to cases and, and, and cases that end up, you know, harming a lot of these young guys. I mean, the president. And all of these other folks have admitted to using marijuana. And so should a young person who has a small amount for personal use be saddled with a criminal record that's going to follow them for the rest of their lives? And affect them in so many ways. Once you have that, let's bring in right now uh, New York State Assemblyman Kareem Kamara from Brooklyn. He is the chair of the Black, Puerto Rican, Hispanic, and Asian Legislative Caucus. And uh, Kareem, what are you doing to uh, try to change the drug policy? Because I know you're involved in that. Yeah, so one thing, I commend D.A. Thompson for his efforts in Brooklyn and the great work that he's doing. Uh, In New York State, uh, we have a bill, uh, actually two bills, one that is sponsored by Senator Dan Squadron and one is sponsored by Senator Ruth Hassel Thompson. And the only difference in the bills are the the gram amounts. Uh, actually, with Senator Squadron, we have a more encompassing bill. We'll be talking about this legislative session. But what we need to do is make the law standard. Uh, right now, uh, if you have the 20 grams and you have it in your pocket, in your book bag, et cetera, it's considered a misdemeanor. I mean, considered a summons. If it happens to fall out of your pocket or outside of your car or outside of your window, or, as many cases, officers are stopping people based on racial and cultural stereotypes, directing them to empty their pockets and arresting them for having a misdemeanor when it should be a summons. The law should be standard. That 20 grams, an individual is not more of a threat to themselves or society by having it in their hand as opposed to in their pocket. So if individuals need treatment, let's get them treatment. We should not be arresting individuals with these small amounts anywhere in New York State. It's the number one arrest in New York City. We spend uh, millions of dollars both in arresting, prosecuting these individuals when that money can be used for youth prevention as opposed to arrest. So uh, I commend uh, Mayor de Blasio for this initial effort. There's still a lot more work to be done. Uh, but we have to do it on a statewide level so that the law is standard across the state. So that's uniform throughout the state, not just in the five boroughs. All right, right. New York State Assemblyman Kareem Kamara from Brooklyn, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, thank you. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Vanessa from Queens right now. Vanessa, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hello. Hi, Vanessa, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Hi. um, You said something about... Vanessa, um, Vanessa, hold on one second, please. Can you turn down the radio in the background, please? Vanessa? Yes. Okay, great. Go ahead. Now we can hear you better. Okay. You said Hello? Oh, okay. You said something about um, public use versus private use. So, like, if you're using marijuana in public, then you could get arrested. Now, what if you're outside on your property? All right. Let me, let me ask uh, a Brooklyn DA Ken Thompson to break that down for us. Can when uh, this this public view private view issue because it has to be for in private there's there's something about that can you explain that where well, where the line of the law is on that well my policy says that if you're smoking marijuana in a public place especially around children we're not going to uh, refuse to prosecute you meaning if you smoke it in a schoolyard around children in a playground places that are deemed public if you're in your let's say on your stoop it's going to be up to a, it's going to be a factual determination. But public places means public places, not your house. All right, let's go to uh, Ray from Connecticut. Ray, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, how you doing? Um, Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we hear you fine. Okay. What's your question or or comment? No, I'm a police officer in Connecticut. And we just passed a law about two years ago uh, about the additional summon tickets for those that um, possess marijuana. And uh, basically, our law here is everything under four ounces, 
you get you get an issue a ticket. Anything over four ounces, you're subject to be arrest. Under four ounces? Yes. Okay. Because yeah. twenty five grams is less than one ounce. So that's a much higher threshold in Connecticut. Yes. And yeah. how is how has that been working for you all there? Uh, at first we was kinda hesitant about it, but um it's it's working. It's working for us out here. Um it it gives us the for those who don't like to let's say um the Caucasian people. You know, like I said before, Nicole said that um a lot of white people are not being arrested for marijuana. They're like the more heavier they're the, they are the heaviest smokers upon African Americans, which is probably true. But a lot of times they get through the they fall through the cracks. So what happens now you issue them a ticket, what it does it builds a revenue for the state. So all this the tickets more tickets you issue is all about the money thing when it comes down to it. And also also it's preventing those like like said non um, the ones who are just casual smokers, whatever, you know. It's separated, separating them from the people who are actually, like, like moving it around. Ray, uh, thank you very much for the call. We appreciate it. That's Ray, a law enforcement officer from Connecticut. Can the a lot of people were asking me this week, too, where did this number 25 grams come from? Because 20, about 28 ounces is an ounce. Well, 25 grams is essentially uh, codified in terms of if you are going to be given a you're going to be prosecuted for B misdemeanor. It wasn't something that was uh, pulled out of thin air. I think what folks should also understand is with this new process in terms of giving tickets out, it's going to also make it more difficult for us to track the race of those who are given tickets, Lisa, and that's important. We need to have a transparent approach to law enforcement as much as we can without jeopardizing lives. And if the argument has been that mostly black Latino people are being given these tickets or given or approach, giving the make or being subject to these arrests, then we need to know, okay, now these cases are no longer going to be within the, the, the uh, province of the DAs It's going to go. They're going to go to these summons courts. What happens in these summons courts? Uh, Who's going to know how many people of color are being given these tickets when the tickets don't require the police officer to check the box of the race? So you say there's no way to track that. And then they, the police commissioner said that was a this week he was questioned about that. He said that was a statewide, you know, that was a state law issue, not a city issue or an NYPD issue. Whether it's a city issue, NYPD issue or state issue, it should be addressed. We need to have transparency. So these tickets should be reformed. Uh, revised, I mean, and have uh, a box where you can check the race of the folks who are being given them to make sure that we are approaching our criminal justice uh, work in a, in a non-discriminatory manner. All right, we're uh, going to take a short break. You're listening to Hot 97 Street Soldiers on Twitter, at Lisa Evers, Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. We are talking about the NYPD's new marijuana arrest policy. Taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Or post a comment on Instagram at Lisa Evers Live. And when we come back, we're going to break it down again, what the law is, where we are, what's happening. And uh, we've got some good news for you, too. Listen all weekend to win tickets to see Chris Brown's Between the Sheets Tour with Trey Songs and Tyga. They're playing twice in the Tri-State at Barclays Center, January 29th, IZOD Center, February 21st, plus 
We're giving you tickets to our holiday party, Christmas in Brooklyn at the Barclay Center, December 19th. Run DMC, LL Cool J, Need I Say More. Ticks on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. We'll be right back. This has never been done before. Hot 97 teams up with our sister station, WBLS, to bring families together this holiday season. With two generations of hip-hop for one big night. Make some noise. It's Christmas in Brooklyn. Performing live. This is Rev Run from Run DMC. Run so loud and proud you it's the once in a lifetime experience. Shamir LL Cool J. They call me Big LL. LL Cool J. Featuring DJ Z Trip. Bring the whole family to the joint. Just added. Hey, yo, yo, yo. This is Ray Shrimmer. This is Diggy. Plus Lecrae. No flex. So. Two generations of hip hop for one big night. It all goes down at the Barclays Center, December 19th. Tickets on sale now with Ticketmaster. Christmas is on us. Send Digicel Minutes to the Caribbean to win $5,000 each week. Also, free American Airlines flies and a chance to win a brand new car. The more you top up, the more chances you have to win. I sent a $10 top up to Haiti and got five chances to win. I sent $20 to Jamaica and got 10 chances to win. Send minutes at www.digicelgroup.com or from a store near you today. Restrictions apply. Promotion ends December 28th. If it sizzles and crackles and comes from the kitchen, it's breakfast. If the aroma wakes you up, it's breakfast. Have breakfast for breakfast. Fresh made from our kitchen. The Egg McMuffin, only from McDonald's. Goes perfect with a fresh brewed cup of McCafe coffee. For a limited time at McDonald's, get any size McCafe coffee for just $1. Made from 100% Arabica beans, it's another way to love McCafe. Prices and participation may vary, a la carte only. Some days you are a conqueror. Look out, world, here I come. Some days you are a survivor. Come on, world, give me your best shot. Some days you just want to crawl back in bed. Hey, world, leave me alone. Fortunately, there is a McDonald's morning egg, sausage, bacon, oatmeal, egg whites, and a great cup of McCafe coffee. There's something for everyone to love at McDonald's. You taste good, world. Start the morning off right with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg sandwich at McDonald's. For a limited time, get two for only $3. Where are the thinkers who will change the world? They're at Vaughn College. Here, students learn from faculty with real-world experience, soar in flight simulators, and earn the degrees today's engineering, technology, management, and aviation fields demand. In fact, 92% of Vaughn graduates are employed or continue their education within one year. Think you'd like to become one of them? Go to their open house on Saturday, November 22nd. RSVP at vaughn.edu slash thinkers. That's V-A-U-G-H-N dot E-D-U slash thinkers. No holiday gathering is complete without the crisp, bubbly, refreshing taste of Sierra Mist Cranberry Splash. Ah, another boring holiday dinner. Not today. Try a sip of delicious Sierra Mist Cranberry Splash. Wow! My mouth is a snow globe with cranberry-flavored awesomeness swirling around in a refreshment blizzard! Tis the season! Sierra Mist Cranberry Splash and Classic Sierra Mist, the most refreshing holiday traditions of all. Visit your nearest KFC today and enjoy the perfect complement to your meal, a refreshing Sierra Mist with a $5 fill-up meal of your choice. Some restrictions apply. Tomcat kills up to 12 mice per bait block. Faster than decon. What will we do with all of these dead mice? Tomcat presents Dead Mouse Theater, and the critics are raving. They solved my mouse problem and renewed my faith in theater. I like my mice dead, but dead mice that can act are even better. Tomcat got the mice out of my walls, onto the stage, and into my heart. Dead Mouse Theater, open to the public this fall at Tomcat.com. Tomcat. Tomcat. <coughs> 
engineered to kill. What else pay block based on no choice lab tests. Time for lethal dose to death. You work hard for your money, so trust MoneyGram to send it to loved ones. With over 70 years experience and over 41,000 U.S. locations, we're the secure, quick, and easy way to send and pick up. Plus, there's a new lower price. Send up to $900 in the U.S. for just $1,150 or less. So when it counts, ask for MoneyGram. MoneyGram, bringing you closer. Available at your neighborhood right check cashing locations. Licensed as a money transmitter by the Banking Department of the State of New York. Looking for a family adventure this weekend? You'll find it at Fun Fusion in New Rock City. With five zones of fun, including games, rides, go-karts, laser tag, glow-in-the-dark bowling, mini-golf, and more. The fun never stops at Fun Fusion, the largest entertainment center in Westchester. Now's your chance to win big. Like the Fun Fusion Facebook page and enter to win a Fun Fusion staycation with one-night hotel stay and 20,000 complimentary gaming credits. FunFusionOnline.com. Since we're going to New York City next week, I thought I'd give you each a gift a little early. Go ahead, open them. (gasps) Tickets to the Nutcracker at the New York City Ballet? Oh, not just tickets, sweetie. Best seats in the house. Tickets to see Justin Timberlake in concert. Love that, JT. (gasps) And a food and wine experience at Italy. Yeah, a little quality time for the whole family. Well, you know, except for the wine part. That's a date for me and mom. Well, all right. Finding something for everyone. Priceless. If you have a MasterCard, you have access to Priceless New York, a collection of amazing experiences throughout the city. No matter what you're looking for, there's a Priceless New York experience for you. Use your BuyPower World Elite MasterCard from Capital One to purchase your Priceless New York experience today at Priceless.com slash New York. Don't have the card? Visit BuyPowerCard.com to learn more. Certain restrictions and terms and conditions apply. Limited quantities available and limited time offers for MasterCard cardholders only. At Hyundai's Thanksgiving feast, they're carving up lots of juicy deals on the full line of Hyundai cars and crossovers, including the 2015 Elantra for $129 a month. Hurry over to your Hyundai dealer right now. Call 877-216-4114 for details. Yeah, yeah, what up, what up, what up? This is Styles Peter Ghost, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 97. Yeah, Ghost told you so. Yeah, welcome back to Hot 97. I'm Lisa Evers, your host, Twitter, at Lisa Lisa Evers, the gram, Lisa Evers live, Google Plus, LisaEvers.com for podcasts of this show. If you're just tuning in, a lot of excellent, very important information about what this new marijuana arrest policy can mean for you. We have in studio with us, honored to have in studio, we've had him on the phone and he's been a supporter of Push for Peace when we were in Brooklyn this summer, is Brooklyn District Attorney Ken Thompson. He was on the leading edge of this issue. When he looked at it, he saw that overwhelming numbers of black and Latino young men were being arrested on this policy. He did something about it. We're talking to him. We have Cassandra Frederique. She studied this issue, Inside Out, Drug Policy Alliance, and also Scott Levy, an attorney with the Bronx Defenders. He's defended many people on these types of cases. And also on the phone line right now, on the newsmaker line, is State Senator Daniel Squadron. He's a Democrat. He represents parts of Brooklyn and Lower Manhattan. And State Senator Squadron, you introduced a bill in Albany to change the uh, penal law about marijuana. Where does that stand right now? Uh, I did, actually, working really closely with uh, the Drug Policy Alliance and some other folks interested in in bringing uh, a little more justice and fairness to this issue. Um, Look, you know, I think that uh, the bill is an important one. I think it shows both just how important and positive what the mayor and the police commissioner did this week, but also the limits uh, of, uh, of city action here absent state law. 
Uh, unfortunately, as as you know and all your listeners know, election day wasn't so great for for a lot of Democrats across the the country, and that's true also in our state Senate in New York. So. We're going to continue to push this bill. It's actually a concept that's had some bipartisan support in the past, but um, has never gotten movement in the Republican-controlled Senate. So uh, it, it's critical, every bit as critical as it was before the mayor and the police commissioner acted, and uh, it's going to take a real, real big push to make it reality in the next two years. And, and so we're looking at a timeline of about two, of, of about two years, you would say? Well, like I'd like Cassandra to speak to this too, but you know, we, we never give up. And, uh, you know, every now and then you can break something through, especially when uh, right and wrong is so clearly on your side here. When you look at the, the just insane, disparate impact that uh, the current marijuana laws have, and you look at the fact that you have a mayor and a police commissioner in the biggest, most powerful city in the country acting and still not able to solve the problem without state action. So All right, there, uh, there it it's is. less likely over the next two years, I would certainly say. All right. Well, New York State Senator Daniel Squadron, thank you very much for calling in to Hot 97 Street Soldiers. And Brooklyn District Attorney Ken Thompson, the summons, let's just go through again and remind people who are just joining us that you, under the new policy starting this Wednesday, November 19th, if you're in possession of 25 grams or less of marijuana, not smoking it, but it's just on you, the police officer has a discretion to write you a summons. Then what happens? Well, there's certain uh, exceptions to it. If the person stopped has an active or an open warrant, the person is going to be arrested. If the person does not have ID, Lisa, the person is going to be taken to the precinct and given an opportunity to produce ID or have somebody come to the precinct with ID. But if uh, the person has ID and doesn't have a warrant, they're going to be given this ticket, and the ticket is going to tell them they have to come to court on a certain day. They're going to go to what we call a summons court. And for Brooklyn, people in Brooklyn, Manhattan, that summons court is located at 346 Broadway. Many of you might have seen that, uh, the long lines outside of 346 Broadway and wondered what was going on. And, and what you've been inside, what is that like in there? Well, what happens is it's, it's essentially in the courtroom, it's like a cattle call. You have all of these people, many of them are poor people, sitting there, and you have one lawyer for the entire courtroom, and he calls the person up in front of everyone and talks to the person in front of the whole courtroom about their case for five seconds, and then they make a decision as whether they're going to pay or not. I mean, so at the end of the day, it, it is I am concerned about this new, uh, the effects of this new policy, because if you are going to go to that court and you could afford a lawyer, you're going to pay hundreds of dollars to bring a private attorney to this place for a $50 ticket. But if you can't afford a lawyer, like many people can't, you're going to have one lawyer that's going to basically be representing the entire courtroom. And I just think that we need to do better here in New York City. We need to do better, you know, here in this country. That's right. And you, do you think the policy, because also, as you pointed out, we've been pointing out, too, because we want to make sure people know this and everybody hears it, is if you don't show up to that return date, that date on that summons, and you don't show up at the summons court, they, they issue a bench warrant for you. Lisa, when I was there the other day, you know, I, I had the opportunity to talk to the uh, JHO. And these are not judges. People need to understand. What's a JHO? That's a judicial hearing officer. It's a retired judge, a judge in retirement that comes and does these cases. They preside over them. And I asked the judge, I said, you know, how many cases do you have a day? He said, hundreds. I said, okay. He said, but half the people don't show up. I said, what happens? I issue bench warrants. Now, the problem I have with that as the Brooklyn DA is... I think a bench warrant should be issued for someone who refuses to show up for court, and they know. But if you're given a ticket and you're supposed to come to court two months later, how many of us, and I'm including myself, received a parking ticket and you forgot about it? 
you know, oh, I forgot about this ticket a couple of weeks. Let me pay it. But if you don't show up because you forgot or you were sick, a bench warrant will be issued for your arrest. Lisa, it should be some mechanism to determine, first of all, if the person forgot, the person can't make it, or the person refuses to show up. Why issue a bench warrant in the first instance? The person may be stuck on the number five train or the four train, or their son or daughter may have a fever or a stomach virus, or they may get fired from their job if they don't go to work that day. And so should a bench warrant be issued for their arrest and call for them to be put in handcuffs and brought to a courthouse as a common criminal to spend a day in jail until they can see a judge? I think we need to do better. All right, Scott, Scott Levy, you have other concerns about this summonsing situation, too. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I think one of the really dangerous things about talking about these summonses as if they're parking tickets is that they these summonses can have really drastic negative consequences on people's lives, and particularly for non-citizens. Um, what a lot of people don't realize, a lot of people don't know, is people are going to be getting charged with a non-criminal violation of marijuana possession on these summonses. And people hear non-criminal violation and think that it's a nothing, think that it's just a ticket like a parking ticket. Right. But the truth is, the federal government and the federal immigration laws really don't make a distinction between misdemeanors and non-criminal offenses. So are you, if you are a green card holder, if you are a person who lives in this country legally with a green card, but are not a citizen, then a marijuana, non-criminal marijuana violation can make you inadmissible. And what inadmissible means is that if you plead guilty, take your your fine and your ticket, uh, and then you try to visit family, say in the Dominican Republic, when you come back into the country, you're going to be placed in immigration proceedings. Mm -hmm. A second marijuana violation will make you deportable. Mm -hmm. For for people who uh, are out of status, for people who uh, are undocumented, a single marijuana violation, you know, on your record, uh, in your record, um, will mean that even if you marry a U.S. citizen, you may not ever be able to adjust your status and get your green card. And again, a second marijuana violation will make it will permanently bar you from ever adjusting your status. It's really problematic when we're sending people into the summons part, uh, as as the DA uh, Brooklyn DA said, sending people into the summons part where. You have assembly line justice, where there's really no thought being paid or given to any of these cases, and you have people pleading to things and then walking out the door thinking that everything's fine when, in fact, what they've done is made themselves inadmissible or deportable, and they're walking around thinking that everything is fine, but they've caused they've they've sown these seeds uh, that can really be destructive. And Cassandra Frederick, Drug Policy Alliance, this was uh, this this whole development was kind of presented as a way to address the disparate numbers of blacks and Latinos who are being arrested on marijuana charges, but you're not convinced it's going to address that problem or me, remedy that problem. Right. Let me be very clear. This policy does nothing to address the racial disparities associated with marijuana enforcement. Why? The same people that are getting the tickets are the same. The same people getting arrested are they going to be the same people getting the tickets. This does not address the targeted policing. The policing of people being stopped and illegally searched is going to be the same people. And it's really important because people are making it seem like you're not being put in the system you're still in the system just in a different door and it's harder to get out all right let's go to jeff from uh, calling in from atlanta jeff hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead yes. yeah jeff yeah well I'm, I'm just going i just wanted to speak god's honest truth i wanted to make a comment on that okay real quick you're on the air go right ahead yeah well something that you know like we go into court they want to. It's decriminal. It's been decriminalized, but yet treating us as criminals. Right. And and when you go to court, you know the same Bible that they make you swear on, even states that everything that God made is very good, especially the herb bearing seed, the green herb. So being that it's a herb, 
and you're recognizing that it's been decriminalized, it's no longer a criminal act, why be impartial about it? Like, why, why be All right, Jeff, you're, about Jeff, you're raising, raising a couple of points. I don't have a preacher in the studio to answer the part uh, about the Bible, so I'm going to pass uh, on that no, one. I know that part. But, but, just, but let me ask you this. I'm, I am going to ask about the uh, decriminalization. This is the other thing, Ken Thompson, Brooklyn District Attorney. People are saying it's decrim- marijuana is decriminalized in New York. It isn't. Is, is that, what is the truth? <laughs> well, essentially what the police are going to do starting on Wednesday is they're going to treat uh, s- possession of small amounts of marijuana as a non-criminal offense. They're going to treat it as a violation. Right now it's treated as a criminal offense. And so it's it's going to be as a violation. And, and But it's, that violation is going to come with certain consequences because my policy in Brooklyn now and, 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 I, and I applaud the mayor and the police commissioner for taking the step they took last week. I want to make that clear. My policy in Brooklyn is somewhat different. If a person is stopped uh, and arrested for possessing a small amounts of marijuana and they've never been arrested before, and the vast majority of the people who've been arrested for this offense have never been arrested before, we are going to decline to prosecute that person, meaning that person is going to be freed right then and there, Lisa. They're not going to have to come back to court. They're not going to face a bench warrant. We're going to say no. We're going to devote our resources to something else. Make now, it go away. It's, right, it's but, gone. But now what's going to happen is that those cases are going to be shifted into the summons court in this crazy maze that few people understand. They're going to be put in there, and if they don't show up, they don't pay for most of them, they're going to have a bench warrant. Or if they're going to get their case, some of them are given ACDs, uh, adjournment in contemplation of a dismissal. That still hangs over the person's head for six months. And that person will not be able to go into the service and, 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 and serve this country in the military. They won't be able to get, they possibly may not be able to get certain housing. So even when they give ACDs in the summons court, it's not the same as what we're doing in Brooklyn. So do you feel that under this new policy that this is in effect taking away some of your ability to prioritize what the people of Brooklyn really need in terms of protection well, and I th- law enforcement? I think that the policy that we have in place now that's, that's been working as effective as a smart uh, use of our resources. I think that it, it, it's been an effect. And I have to say, it's the catalyst for what the city did. If, if we didn't do it right in Brooklyn, I doubt the city would have taken this step. We showed leadership. I showed leadership in July and, and was criticized for saying that I'm going to take a stand on these marijuana arrests. You took some body blows on that politically from the, not from the people, but from uh, some of the pundits and other people with a platform. Well, they, they can deliver all the body blows they want. There are 900 people walking around Brooklyn who are not prosecuted by me, who are being given a second chance. And those 900 people may end up becoming Brooklyn DA or the president of the United States one day. So I stand by the body, blow, body blows that they want to throw. <laughs> Cassandra, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I just want to say, I think we really need to be careful with the language. This is not a new policy. This is what was supposed to be happening since 1977. This law is 37 years old. People were supposed to always be getting summonses for private possession of marijuana. The only reason people were getting arrested was because NYPD was illegally searching black and Latinos. This policy, people weren't walking around with marijuana in the air, waving it in the air like they just don't care. These are people that were being thrown up against a wall, getting their hand uh, police putting their hands in their pockets or police officers telling people to take whatever's in their pocket out and then charging them with the misdemeanor these people should have always been getting tickets so right now for there to be some sort of celebration that the mayor's office and the police commissioner are doing something new is not the case this is uh, the law for 37 years so you can't 
create a law that's already been on the books. So what we really need to do, what the mayor needs to do, is really create a policy that directly addresses the reason why people are being illegally searched and selectively targeted. And we need to figure out how we can bring this into the light and not create people in a really dark maze. Scott Levy, what do you think would be a, f- a better system for people? Well, for your, cl- I, for your clients, for example. Well, certainly, I mean, I think in 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 the immediate sense, I, I think we need to ensure that there's real due process, that there's right. true representation for people so that they are advised about the collateral consequences of these summonses, of these arrests. I think you can't create a policy like this and then just hope that everything works out. If I think you please, need, oh, go, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, and I, so I think you need to implement transparency, accountability, and due process, right? Those are the three concerns that we have. Um, and And there are a lot of different, you know, interim steps that you can take, but uh, taking a step back and, and building on what uh, Cassandra said, you know, in 1990, there were fewer than a thousand of these arrests in all of New York City. In 2011, there were over 50,000, right? So these arrests and this policy is really a m- part and parcel of a much larger policing strategy that we've been dealing with in this city for the last 20, 25 years. And in t- and embedded in that is the racial disparity are the unconstitutional stops the unconstitutional searches right and until you address those fundamental issues i think a lot of these changes are a bit you know are are window dressing now we're going to deal with the changes and and try to make them as effective as possible and make sure that our clients are protected and make sure that they don't have to deal with these negative collateral consequences but i think until you address that fundamental issue um, you know, we're not going to have a real change. Brooklyn DA Ken Thompson, let's just take it through the whole scenario. So somebody has 25 grams or less on them. The police officer issues them a summons. They show up to this summons court um, and then they end up paying the fine. Is will, will that be traceable? Will that saying, yes, you know, I did this. I, I want to pay the fine. Will that show up on their record for employers, for military, for housing, student loans, or we're not clear about that yet? It's not completely clear, but let me just say this, Lisa. Many of the folks who plead guilty in court don't even know they're pleading guilty. Mm -hmm. Just sit there, and you'll see they're not even told you just pled guilty. And when I sat there and watched it, uh, I was shocked because people are told, you know, you could resolve this if you pay a fine. Okay, step out in the hallway and pay the fine. They're not told that they pled to the offense, to the violation. And, and I think that they need to be told, you just pled guilty, sir. You just pled guilty, ma'am. They're not even told that. And so we need to change that because what I saw were a bunch of poor people in that courthouse. And I think that we need to do better. All right, let's uh, let's see if we can squeeze in a couple of phone calls here. Let me get one one phone call in right now. Let's go to uh, Rosie from New Jersey. Rosie, hi, real quick. Thanks for calling in to Street Soldiers. Hi, how are you? Um, well, here in New Jersey, my son got arrested for a ten dollar bag. It's on his record, and he can't get a job. It's just crazy when there's so much other stuff going on here that requires more officers to do their job, more crime. Courts are packed with cases that require more attention than a ten dollar bag. No, exactly. All right, Rosie, thank you very much. I think that was one of the points that uh, Brooklyn DA Ken Thompson was was trying to make. Thank you, thank you so much. And also uh, a couple of questions from Instagram at Lisa Evers Live. Live. It is. Uh, this is just for New York City. People are asking about the suburbs here, about Long Island, Jersey, Connecticut. This is just New York City. Yeah, that's a very good point, Lisa. Yes, it's just for the five boroughs. That's why the state 
there's pending legislation, as State Senator Daniel Squadron and Assemblyman Karima Kamara talked about, to make it applicable statewide, but this is only for New York City. All right. I wish we had more time for this. I'm so sorry to everyone on hold. Kevin, Raina, Pablo, Michael, Sean, Jessica, Jack, everyone else that's been on hold for so long trying to get in on the conversation. And to everyone on Instagram Live, uh, Stiggerman, X750, uh, Bachata Music, thank you very much for uh, commenting. I'm sorry we couldn't get to all of your comments, but I want to thank our special guest for this episode of Street Soldiers, Brooklyn District Attorney Ken Thompson, Cassandra Frederick from the Drug Policy Alliance, and attorney Scott Levy from the Bronx Defenders. And on the phone, we heard from New York State Assemblyman Kareem Kamara, State Senator uh, Daniel Squadron, President of the Sergeants Benevolent Association, Ed Mullins. Thank you to everybody for calling in and being a part of this show. And we also want to let you know this episode of Street Soldiers was made hot for you by Affinity Health Plan. Lower prices, larger network, settle for more with Affinity Health Plan. We thank them for sponsoring the show. And next Sunday, we're going to be talking about growing up and being homeless. If you are currently homeless or living in a shelter, we want to hear from you. Hit me up, lisa at hot97.com. That's lisa at hot97.com. Or call me, 212-452-4875. That's 212-452-4875. Now, this week for Fox 5, I was doing a story about homelessness in the city, and I was very, very surprised to learn that right now the number of people in shelters in New York City is the highest it's ever been. More than 58,000 people, almost half, 24,631 are children. 80% of the people in shelters are families, families, parents with small children. That means tonight more than 24,000 children will be sleeping in city shelters instead of their own apartments in this, this holiday season. I've talked with some of them. It's not going to be very good. It's not going to be very different from those kids. No family dinner. They can't have people over. They don't have a place to have relatives. They can't have their friends over. And Christmas is uh, not looking much better for them. So my whole Street Soldiers team and I just want to let you know we are looking into ways we can make this holiday season better for at least some of the children. So if you have access to toys or children's clothing or you want to volunteer at an event we're probably going to be doing, hit me up, Lisa, at Hot97.com. That's Lisa at hot97.com. We're not saying don't enjoy your turkey and your shopping and Black Friday and discounts and all this shopping and everything, but it's like, let's not forget about the kids. So hit me up, Lisa, at hot97.com. People ask me all the time when you see me on the streets, you're asking, what can we do? Well, here's a little something we can all do. And uh, my executive producer, Tone Capone, Rose D, or Rafaela will get back to you and keep you posted about what we're doing and how you might want to plug in and get involved. So, uh, Make sure you hit me up, Lisa, at hot97.com. Call my direct line, 212-452-4875. Also, we want to support our local young artists, and we want to let you know about an original play happening at the Schaumburg Center in Harlem. That's at 135th Street right across in Lenox, right across from uh, Harlem Hospital. It's by Sean Nesblitt. And it's Neb, Neblet, Nesblet, I think. And it's called um, Homage 3, Illmatic, Nas's Illmatic, and the Journey of the Urban Artist. So he's taking hip-hop and putting it on the stage there at the Schomburg. So uh, good luck on that. And congrats to all the Ailes Apprentice Program graduates. 
um, on f- completing that program and your new jobs. And also special thank you to Wayne Devinish and 500 Men Making a Difference in Brooklyn. Thank you for honoring me with the award yesterday. Great to be part of all those women powerhouses. Let a Manhattan girl in there, right? For the all, <laughs> Most of those women were from Brooklyn. So big shout out to all of you, to all the guys there, and to all the women. So, so inspirational. Thank you to everybody here at Hot 97 and the New York State Broadcasters Association for the Serving New York Award. Um, much appreciated. And, uh, of course, a lot of thank yous this week. Thank you to uh, everyone here at Hot 97, our program director, Jay Dixon, our music director, T.T. Torres, digital director, Jeffrey Thacker, the one and only all-around guy, makes it happen, the one and only T.J., our board op, digital assistant, and, of course, my executive producer, Tone Capone, producers, Rose D., Rafaela, Twitter, at Lisa Evers, Instagram, Lisa Evers Live. And if you want to hear this show again, because there was a lot of information that was in this, or you need to listen to it for a class, you can get a free show audio. You can get the link, what we used to call podcasts, but the show audio link is on lisaevers.com. Take that link and post it wherever you want to. Send it around to all your friends. Put it on your social media so people know what they're dealing with come this Wednesday when this new law goes into effect. Check me out on the Fox 5 News at 10 tonight, 5 and 10 during the week. Be a show, part of the show in any way you know the deal lisa at hot 97.com have a great week and remember use your mind it's your best weapon i hope it's your only weapon i'm lisa evers push for peace sandzoneauto.com sandzone kia in woodbridge new jersey announces black friday deals all month long 